So hi, one of the Good Nights Podcast with Greg Rikus. We're going to ask him some questions today. I'm going to start. So what inspired you to start making music? Oh, man. Um, I guess it was like the punk scene in the 90s. Um, I was really, it was at a time where music wasn't super duper accessible yet. Like, you know, a CD collection was like six or seven CDs, especially if you're like a teenager and don't have a job. And punk music just kind of felt like something like, it needed you. It kind of needed like someone to listen to it. Otherwise there's no one going to hear it, which totally wasn't true. Cause there was like millions and millions of people hearing it, but you got that sense. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what drew me towards like that uh, specific scene. And then shortly after that, I got a guitar and I kind of tried to figure out how to play it. And I realized like I could start a band, like what's stopping me. And um, and it just kind of snowballed from there. Like the, my first band, we only kind of played local shows, but then I started another band that started touring. And then after that, uh, when that band kind of came to a close, I started the solo thing. And then, you know, since then I've been on the road pretty much 150 shows a year. God damn. Wow. So, yeah, it just kind of, it consumed me. All right. That's that super so, cool. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so congrats on your newest release, Death and Taxes. How do you feel the response to the record so far? You know, it's because of uh, the current pandemic going on, I feel I've kind of been dwarfed by that. And uh, I mean, there's nothing you can really do. I I did a few, uh, like after it happened, I canceled the tour and there was definitely a bit of a spike, like a lot of attention shortly after that, I'm sure like everyone. But for the most part, it's kind of just been, I I don't want to say put on the shelf, it's just kind of been a little bit like less than I expected. But I've also found like, many many friends that i haven't talked to in a while will just all of a sudden write me and just be like hey man just heard the new record it's awesome so that's good to hear so yeah, that's awesome you know, yeah it's kind of a slow burn it's getting there but everyone who's heard it thinks it's great i think it's one of the best i've ever done i'm really proud of it all right oh i'm happy to hear that yeah, you love that's to good. hear it yeah. um so can you tell me a little bit about, a little bit about your writing process and how it's evolved since you started making music until now Oh, man, I guess when it first started, it was like in my room with a piece of paper, like scribbling down some words. And it's come a long way since then. Uh, a lot of the times I have a, a jam space here in Winnipeg. So I kind of need a space that's just like door closed. Like I know people can probably a little bit hear it, but a space where I could kind of like sing whatever comes to mind and just like really get the ideas out and feel safe that no one is standing right there kind of actively making fun of me. And a lot of times I'll kind of start with the chorus. For me, that is like the heart of the song. You got to come up with like either a catchy one or something that kind of makes you think. And then from there, try to getting a a verse going that could kind of smash into it. And then you just kind of play it and play it over again until it kind of feels natural. And a lot of times I'll write by myself. And then I have a, a band. I don't tour with them. But we'll kind of bring it to practice and everyone kind of puts in their part. Once in a while, they'll have a suggestion of like, yeah, I don't know, that line's lame or, you know, I don't know what you're trying to do on guitar there. It sounds dumb. So, (laughs) you know, we kind of bounce ideas off each other. And and yeah, that's that's basically basically the secret. So wait, you have a band, but you don't bring them on tour. So what's your live set like then? So uh, um, when I play on tour, it's just me and the stomp box. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of nice because it's kind of just me so I could kind of stop and start whenever I want you like you could really fly off the cuff or you could kind of just almost do anything you want. 
Yeah. And uh, and you're because you're just kind of you know it's only you on the boat and you're just kind of paddling away. But when there's a few other people, sometimes if you get an idea, you got to kind of think like, how can I like lead them into this? If I all of a sudden stop playing to try to do a funny something something, you know, they probably won't follow. But but for the most part, like it's it's become somewhat normal. Uh, the road when I was like just starting in my early 20s I mean almost anyone would want to jump in a van with me and go on tour right it was it's fun and, and you got you're not tied down but now that I'm uh, quite a bit older than that it's really hard to find people that are willing to just kind of give it up and especially for six months of the year I mean the yeah, first yeah. band used to tour maybe two weeks you know a month and and now that I'm going out for three months at a time sometimes I you know it's kind of I know I think it'd also be different too if it was a bit of a paycheck. Mm -hmm. But since it's kind of just doing it for the love of music and traveling, you know, there's not a lot of people that can really commit to kind of be in my band half the year for nothing. Yeah, I get that. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So where was your headspace for writing Death and Taxes? Well, the uh, the title itself it's named after a beer in San Francisco. I was playing this bar called uh, Five Forty Club. And, uh, and I'd already had like maybe two or three songs written. I didn't have a lot of stuff. I had a lot of ideas, riffs I was kind of throwing around, but really not, not a complete album at all. And I kind of saw like the, I don't know what do you call it, like to serve the beer, you know, the thing you mm -hmm. put The tap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and, and the logo looked really cool. And it just kind of made me, made me think like, you know, that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. Like that's kind of, I feel where this year is going. Like it's not quite negative. It's not quite positive. It's one of those, like, you just kind of got to do it things. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel that's kind of death and taxes, right? The two things for sure in life. Okay. Um, a lot of the, the songs on the album uh, were like, I don't, like, don't want to say super duper political, but definitely more so than I was writing in the past. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just hard to kind of look around and not write that way these days. Like, there's so much going on and it feels like there's there's such a big movement um happening right now that i kind of want to you know i i want to do something too i want to be a part of it too uh and then then there are a couple other songs on the album that are a little bit more somber and stuff like that but and i'm re really happy with the writing and how it turned out it just every song i felt really like empowered and just writing something i, I really wanted to say all right all right to hear it uh, so what band or artist influences do you think you can hear the most on this new album? Uh, that's, that's a tough one. Cause there's, there's so many bands that have influenced me, but not necessarily musically, if that makes sense. Like just the reason why these people do it has just inspired me to like, I want to do that too. But in terms of, uh, music, I think John Prine was a big inspiration, which, um, you know, uh, sad we lost him. I'm sure he's in a better place. I'm sad we lost him this year. But a lot of his stuff, just the way he writes songs has really kind of inspired me and, and captured me. Um, and then, of course, like 90s punk stuff. That's where I came from. And, and all of those bands that were kind of shooting around then or any pop punk band, I definitely think there's a lot of that in my writing. And then uh, there's also, I don't know if you've ever heard of Mischief Brew. Uh, Eric Peterson is the the dude who kind of did the band. He's also been a big inspiration. He kind of similar has like the gruff punk rock voice and and does acoustic stuff a lot of the time. And yeah, there's there's so many. I mean, almost anyone who I've seen playing music kind of makes me want to do it too. So it's it's hard to really pin it down. All right, I get that. So 
is there a certain feeling you want your listeners to have while going through the album? Um, I guess, yeah, like when the first time I heard it, I uh, we had just finished recording it and kind of the first mix was done. And I, I just put my pajamas on. I have this awesome onesie. I take it on tour too. It has little monkey feet. And <laughs> oh I hold on and I, I lay down on my bed and I put my headphones on and I just cranked it. And the whole time it was like the best feeling ever. It was like one of those feelings where the album I've always wanted to write and now it's written. And I, I hope people have like somewhat of that feeling. I know it's like, it's very personal when it's your own album, but that someone could put it on and just feel good about it. Feel like, like this is the music I want to hear. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I, that that onesie is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. There's some people I think it's almost more famous than I am. They're like the guy with the onesie. Yeah, he can stay here. Does he have the onesie? Yeah, yeah. Did he bring the onesie though? Yeah, yeah. yeah. gotta see the onesie. I'll wear it for if we do another interview. I'll wear it. I promise. Thank you. Bet. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> So how did you choose the opener and closer for the album? Did they fall that way or were they written that way? No, actually, the the first song was the last song written. And it's funny. That's what happened on the last (coughs) album, too. I don't know how. It just kind of like we we had 12 songs ready, one of them being being the Pogues cover on the record. And it was like, oh, one more. We should do one more just in case, because sometimes if you're in the studio, like you have this great idea, sounds good in the jam space. It just you can't lay it down for whatever reason. It's just not sounding good actually recorded. Uh, some songs just don't turn out. So we thought maybe one extra just to be safe. And we kind of just came up with uh, the, the guitar riff the do, 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 to start off the album. I started just kind of playing that when we were talking and then we all kind of stopped and then like, wait a minute, I think this might be the last. So we, we wrote, wrote it pretty much that day and I did uh, lyrics to it the next day. And it just felt like the first song of the album. It just had that feeling of like, I want to start here. Yeah. The last song, uh, however, was kind of written in the middle of the writing process, but it just feels right. Like I, uh, one of the bands I used to be in, there was an acoustic track on the record. We were like a punk band. We did one acoustic track and we put it in the middle of the album. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a mistake. It just killed the energy. So I feel like the slow song, it's kind of got to be at the end also. With the yeah. long, super duper sax solo, like it's just such a last song. Like after after that song, I don't want to hear anything else for a bit. I want to just sit and like, like you're cooling down, right? It's mm-hmm. just, yeah. I fucking hate when bands put that slow song right in the middle of the album. It's yeah. like a gripe of mine. I know, I know. Yeah. We we didn't want to put it at the end because I was thinking like at the time I was like, oh, that's cliche to do it at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, so maybe you just put it in the middle, and that was even a bigger mistake. It's yeah. got to go at the end for sure. I agree. Yeah. So are you working on any new projects? Um, I have. I just started my own YouTube channel. Oh, uh-huh. And uh, it's not it's not musical. It's semi-musical in the sense that uh, a few of the episodes are about music stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love to play. We still jam at least once a week. You know, I'm still at the jam space as much as I can. I love, absolutely love music. But I found doing the live streams... Like I did when it when the pandemic first started, I did a couple and they got a really good response. One of them had like almost a thousand views. Oh, wow. Like, oh, like I've never played for a thousand people. Like it's amazing. And then as they went, they very quickly went down to like 400, 300, 200. And then, you know, like under 100 views almost every video. So I think people are just kind of getting bored of it. And then also to do it, like you're just kind of playing in front of your 
computer or your your phone or whatever it's not it's not the reason i picked up the guitar and kind of hit the road like you know, actually doing it in front of people and having that immediate response is kind of what I love about music and playing. So uh, we, we still do the odd live stream as as the band. We did a couple of them, but really it's it's something I feel like once a month at most you can really do to kind of keep people intrigued. You know, it maybe it'd be different too if I had a larger fan base, but, you know, kind of the, the people I, I uh, love and cherish as friends and fans, I can't really get them to, like, come to the phone every day to, like, okay, I'm doing it again. You ready? Like... So, so I kind of, but I still wanted to keep putting out content. I also didn't want to kind of fade away to like, oh yeah, I wonder what happened to Greg kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a huge fan of, of educational stuff on YouTube. There's uh, a couple channels I really like. Vsauce is one of them I love. And I always kind of wanted to do something like that. But I mean, you know, touring six months of the year when I'm at home, I'm working night and day. I'm, I'm usually working two jobs just to be able to keep everything, all the bills paid. Mm-hmm. So now, now that all of a sudden I find myself unemployed, like, well, you know, I got nothing but time now. So I kind of figured out how to edit videos and, um, I, I put out nine episodes. I'm actually, I was just working on the uh, 10th as, uh, as, uh, as we were, we were figuring things out and it's, it's kind of like three ideas of the first is something about music. The second is a random thing. And the third is a video game thing. So for example, the first one I did was the Gibson SG which is my favorite guitar. I still own one. Then I did workout videos, which is something I kind of despise, but still have to like, you know, still a part of my life. And then I did a Super Nintendo game called Stone Protectors. And I basically just did a bunch of research and then made a video and it was super fun. So I did, I did another one on hold music. I did the history of the sax. I did history of air guitar, like a bunch of kind of neat things. I, you know, it's fun to research. I'm, I'm kind of a little bit of a closet nerd. Like I, you know, doing that research project in school. I was one of the people that actually liked doing it, but. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I don't tell anyone, though. This is a secret, right? You're not yeah. going to tell anyone. Oh, yeah. We're not telling no, anybody. Tough punk rock guy. <laughs> yeah. I think that's cool, though. Um, so, where do you see the project in the next five years? Well, I think the. I'm definitely going to hit the road as soon as I can. Uh, actually, I was just joking with with my partner uh, recently. Like, I'm, I'm going to be turning 40 shortly. And maybe I'll spend the 40s trying to co- conquer Asia. Maybe I'll try to start touring countries over there because I've mm-hmm. I've never touched it. I've I've been to Europe 11 times. I've toured oh, the states oh. like 50 something times, and then Canada. I, I can't even count how many times, but I've never really been outside of that. And I've always really wanted to. And uh, the way, like, if you if you have a credit card and an email address, you could do what I do too. It's like I I love what I do, but I don't think I'm that talented in terms of music. I think a lot of it is just. I don't know. I just kind of went and did it. And a lot of the times you just contact someone in the U.S., let's say, who needs a tour in Canada to say, "Okay, well, I can book you two weeks here. Can you book me two weeks there? Mm -hmm. So you kind of tour together and you kind of explore each other's areas. And then usually on tour, you'll meet a bunch of people and you just kind of do it again and again. And the last 20 years, that's what I've been doing. And that's kind of how I've been able to conquer Europe and and tour all over the place. But I've never really known anyone from from Japan or, or China or anyone who is in that position, who kind of needs a tour in North America and is willing to give a tour there. But but I, I really want to try to focus on that and just try to discover some new places. And don't get me wrong, I love every everywhere I tour and I feel I don't see my friends enough. But, you know, it's it's neat just to kind of push it forward, like to never, never feel like this is as far as it'll ever go. Always feel like I can do more and 
You know, that would be my 40s and my 50s. Maybe I'll tour Antarctica or something, right? That'd be sick. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Um, so for the last couple questions, we're actually going to shift away from music and go straight to death row. So if you're on death row, what would your last meal be with a drink? Hmm. Okay. So I, I eat vegan. I've been eating vegan for many years. And oh, cool. if I had to say like what is my absolute favorite vegan food it mm -hmm. is this place in winnipeg called spring roll and it's kind of like a northern chinese style but everything is vegan so instead of chicken balls they have sweet and sour gluten balls mm. and i realize how unappealing or unappetizing that title sounds yeah <laughs> they're like the best like they they are super crispy and inside it's really chewy like if i didn't tell you you would probably wonder is like oh it's like processed chicken or something like it's they taste amazing and uh, that would definitely be my last meal, just a giant plate of those. And then I'd probably just have a beer, to be honest. That'd be... All right. Yeah, All right. quick and easy. <laughs> just a beer, exactly, easy. Um, so if you could live in one fiction world for a week, where would you live? Hmm. Do I get to pick who I am in this fictional world, or am I Greg Rikus in this fictional world? You could pick, you could be whoever you want. Yeah. Then I would definitely live in the Star Wars universe as as a Jedi. Okay, solid. Although, solid. Yeah, I'd want to be though. I'd want to be like one of the non-good Jedi's, not a bad Jedi, like a mm -hmm. medium Jedi. Because I don't. Oh wanna... yeah, like the Rebellion. Exactly. I don't want to be yeah, a yeah. goody goody all the time doing good stuff and never like drinking beer or whatever. But at the same time, I don't want to be like a Sith Lord that like bums a bunch of people out. But yeah, but yeah. I love usually if I'm, if I'm reaching for something. I'll just go like this for a sec to see if I have the force, and I have yet to have the force, but one day. Exactly, it'll happen days. one day. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so I have the honor of asking the last question, and every single person we've spoken to have said it's the most important question. What's your favorite color? Green. Okay. Any specific shade? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess if I had to pick a shade, a darker green would be more my favorite. Okay. But and it just makes me feel it's like the color of plants. It's the color of nutritious food. It's it's a color that just makes me happy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wait. You. I'm saying, okay. So when you say darker green, do you mean like a matcha or an olive or a forest? Like what what are we saying here? I'm probably thinking of a forest green. A forest green. Okay. Of, to reflect kind of the, you're just looking into this green forest and it just looks beautiful and you just yeah. feel for a moment and so that'd probably be my favorite shade of green it's okay. very fitting that there's lots of trees behind yeah, you, <laughs> behind you. Uh, yeah winnipeg's crazy for that if if you look at it from the sky it looks like just a, a bunch of trees you can barely see the city mm -hmm. wow. we love it uh so as Gloria said that's all the questions we have today is there anything you'd like to plug uh i guess the channel again i it's it's called far from regular and um, it's, it's just launched, and I love it. It's super fun. And then, of course, my new album, Death and Taxes. If people haven't checked it out, it's on. Uh, uh, it's everywhere you can. If you Google it, you will find it. Bandcamp is probably the easiest way to buy it. Spotify is probably the easiest way to listen to it. But right. that's me in a nutshell. Right. Well, uh, thank you for sitting down with us. This has been Greg Rikus and We're the Good Noise Podcast. Woo!